Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about Hope, including our worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Rufus Smith. As we continue to think about table conversations, our theme for the next few weeks are is tables, conversations that lead to change. And I want to remind us as we think about um, table conversations, I want to remind us of the big why, the big why. That is, when you think about Hope Church, what does it mean for Hope Church to be Jesus-centered and unchurched friendly? What does that mean? What does it mean for Hope Church to strive to be Jesus-centered but unchurched friendly? And so throughout this series, we want you to be open to inviting those who are unchurched or de-churched or religiously unaffiliated or what this generation of millennials and Gen Zs call themselves nuns and duns. Those are a lot of terms that are thrown around. Unchurched, we kind of understand. De-churched, people who have fallen out of church for one reason or another. Those who've been hurt by church and they no longer are affiliated. Nuns, this generation says they are no longer affiliated with organized religions. And duns means that they are done with organized religion. It is a perfect environment for us as a church. So what does that mean, that we are Jesus-focused but unchurched friendly? What is our big why? And we will talk a little bit about that here on today. Let me cite our mission statement. A mission statement tells why you exist. You can have a mission as an individual. You can have a mission as a corporate entity, but it's why we exist. Everybody asks the question eventually, who am I? Where am I going? And why am I here on earth? And so let's talk a little bit about our corporate why and our individual why. Our mission statement is simply 13 words plus four. 13 words plus four. It is this, to engage our unchurched neighbors of every age and every ethnicity to experience Jesus. 13 words. To engage our unchurched neighbors of every age and every ethnicity to what end? To experience Jesus. Our goal is not just to be intergenerational. Our goal is not just to be multi-ethnic. Our goal is to reach our unchurched neighbors so that they can experience Jesus in his peace and his power and his purpose. How is that done? We plaster it all throughout the building in these four ways. Worship, community, service, generosity. These are not words that we have made up. These are biblical truths. These are roadmaps. How does the Word of God tell us that we can experience more peace, more power, and more purpose with Jesus? It is through worship, community, service, 
and generosity. That's why we exist. When we say worship, we mean a corporate worship, large gatherings like this, or for those who are watching online. It is all of us coming together to worship and praise the life giver king in various forms with various elements. When we say community, we're talking about smaller groups. You can call it a life group, a Bible study group, a service group, but it is a smaller community of people who gather together in homes, uh, in buildings, at various places. They're praying and sharing and caring for each other, fellowshipping around the Word of God. That's community. When we say service, we mean giving of ourselves inside and outside of these church walls Generosity is sharing our financial resources. Clue, to the extent that I am involved in worship or community or service or generosity is to the extent that I will experience Jesus. More peace, more purpose, more power. Meaning that if I'm only involved in one, let's say corporate worship, I will have some degree of Jesus's peace and his power and his purpose for living. But if I'm involved in multiple, then I can experience greater peace and greater power and greater purpose for living. That's why we exist. Some people say, why do we have coffee bars? We have three of them here. Why do we have concerts? Why do we have um, comedy shows? Why do we invite the public schools to come and use our facilities for graduation almost without cost? Why do we have city-wide events? It's because we as a congregation are Jesus-focused but unchurch-friendly. We want as many people to come here as possible so that when God is drawing them to himself, they will consider here is a place where you're not only welcome, but you are wanted. We want people to hear something, to see something that is familiar because sooner or later we're going to lead them to the unfamiliar. Let me say that again. We want people to hear something and to see something that is familiar because sooner or later we're going to lead them to the unfamiliar. That is our big why. Peter Drucker, who is a business guru of the 20th century, says this about mission statements. I like his definition of a mission statement. He said a mission statement ought to be able, succinct enough, to fit on a t-shirt. I like that. And you ought to be able to recite it at 3 a.m. in the morning. That's how portable and memorable it ought to be. Jesus's mission statement was just that portable and memorable and succinct. He said this, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Twelve words. It's defined everything that he did. It's what made him different from the other rabbis of his day. That was his mission. That's why he existed. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. Let's pick up the story in Luke 19. In the voice translation, Jesus enters Jericho and seems only to be passing through. Living in Jericho is a man named Zacchaeus. He's the head tax collector and he is very what? 
rich. He is also very short. He wants to see Jesus as he passes through the center of town, but he can't get a glimpse because the crowd blocks his view. So he runs ahead of the crowd, climbs up into a sycamore tree so that he can see Jesus when he passes beneath him. Jesus comes along and looks up the tree. That was no accident. And there he sees Zacchaeus. Jesus says to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down from that tree because I need to stay the night at your house. Zacchaeus scrambles down joyfully, brings Jesus back to his house. Now the crowd sees this and they are so excited that the rabbi wanted to meet with a tax collector. No, the text says they were what? Upset. They were grumbling. Jesus has become the house guest of this fellow who is a notorious sinner. Zacchaeus said, Lord, I'm giving half of my goods to the poor. Whomever I have cheated, I will pay back four times as much as I took. And Jesus said this, today, liberation, salvation has come to this house for the Son of Man came to seek and liberate the I'm looking for the Zacchaeuses of the world. He was not intimidated by those who were very rich, nor by those who had a stained reputation as being notorious sinners. That's why I came. That's why I came. The crowd was listening to this, and everyone assumes that the kingdom of God is going to appear at any moment since he's near in Jerusalem, but Jesus tells them a story, a parable, to put on the brakes. I'm not coming back yet. I got something I want you to do too. He said a ruler once planned a journey to a distant country to take the throne of that country and then to return home. Now before his departure, he called 10 of his servants and he gave to each of them three months wages with this directive. Use this money to buy and sell until I return. He gave them their mission. Our innate, inbred gifts and personalities is God the Father's gift to us, but what we do with it is our gift back to him. He wants us to be our highest, holiest, and holistic self. We can't do that if we are not investing time in seeking and saving those who are lost, rescuing the lost. Jesus knew more than any that even rich people need salvation. And Zacchaeus knew more than most that money could not satisfy spiritual things. More than most, because he had everything materially, but he still had this yearning, this emptiness in his soul. Zacchaeus knew that you could have money, but it doesn't mean, and you can buy a bed, but it doesn't mean you automatically get rest. He knew that you could buy food, but not have an appetite. He knew you could buy a house, but not really have a home. He knew that more than anybody. He had a restlessness in his soul. He knew something was missing underneath the skin and Jesus took out the time to recognize that and say, I want to stay at your house tonight. 
my God. And when he stayed at his house, he sat at his table and had a conversation that led to change. And when Jesus says, I have come to seek and to save the lost, what is the lost? It's, it's, a, it's a nautical term. It's a seafaring term. It means there is a ship that is out to sea that's drifting aimlessly without an anchor, being driven by the wind to an uncertain future. That's what lost is. To put it in human terms, it means that people are drifting on the sea of time without an anchor, being driven by the winds of life, headed toward an uncertain future. Jesus says, I came to seek and to save those who are drifting, being driven on the sea of time without an anchor, headed toward an uncertain future. And I want to throw them out a lifeline in order to save and rescue and liberate them. That's what he did for us. And it's not just those who have not made a profession of faith in Christ who are lost. Listen to me real well. Even we as Jesus followers can get lost sometimes from our purpose. We can be distracted and we need someone to throw us a lifeline to help us get back to where God wants us to be. Salvation. Liberation, rescue is not just salvation for my soul that takes care of eternity, but it means an expansion, right? I'm here on earth to see life at a whole nother level. It begins on earth and extends into eternity. And he had this conversation with Zacchaeus in his house. Zacchaeus was materially bound, but he knew that he had a spiritual ill. He was a son of Abraham, after all. He was not ignorant of spiritual things, and he sat at his table. That's what we want to encourage you to do. Can I tell you a story? I don't want you to think I'm being braggadocious of a conversation I had 23 years ago at a table that changed the trajectory of my life to this day and counting. Never forget it, in 1998, a gentleman who had invested in my ministry and was very supportive, took me out to lunch one day. And he asked me this question. He said, Rufus, if I was able to give you $100,000, what would you do with it? And uh, after I finished almost choking on my, I, 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 I stumbled, I, I, I I said, I don't even remember what I said, something to the effect of I'd use it to the glory of God, some kind of platitude like that. And he stopped me and he said, you weren't prepared for that question, were you? I said, no, sir. He said, have you ever heard of the term H-B-U-T, highest and best use of time? At that time, I'd never heard of it. I said, no, I'd never heard of that. He said, it means the highest and best use of your time. What is the highest and best use of your time? He said, I believe in you. Take a month and think about it. And when you've answered it, let's have another lunch, which I did. And we had another lunch. 
And I was able to tell him, here is the highest and best use of my time. And by God's grace and his generosity, he gave me a significant sum of money to help me achieve the highest and best use of my time. It changed the spiritual trajectory of my life, of my pastorate, and continues to this day. I wonder, can you have, um, can remember conversations like that? May have been at lunch, dinner, breakfast. May not have even had food involved. Just may have been sitting in someone's living room, someone's office, and that conversation changed your life. That's why we're doing tables. We want you to be open to have those kind of conversations with other people and cultivate relationships with those who are lost. Let me close with this. He's given us the tools to do it. <clears throat> He's given us the tools to do it. You have it there in your bulletin, and I'll give them to you very quickly. He's given us LOTS. That's my acronym made up. L-O-T-T-S. Now, I know educators, you don't spell lots that way, but for teaching purposes, L-O-T-T-S. What has he given us? First thing he has given, notice he said, after he gave his mission, he then gave them their mission, which was the same thing. I want you to do business with this sum of money that I have given you. For what end? to seek and to save those who are lost and drifting, being driven by the sea of, on the sea of time to an uncertain future. He's given all of us these things. Now, you know, in the other parables, he's given about talents. He gave some five. He gave one, two, and he gave one, one. That's not this parable. In this parable, he called 10 servants and he gave to those 10 servants an equal amount. He gave them all the same thing, everything they needed to succeed. <clears throat> and here's what he gave them. All of us have this in our toolbox. He gave us life, number one. We got life. <clears throat> We're breathing. We have opportunity. Some of us live longer than others, but we have life. What are we doing with our lives while we're living, while we're breathing, while we're active, while we're healthy, while we're able? Are we striving to be our highest, our holiest, our most holistic self? Are we making room to seek and to save those who are lost and drifting, to throw them a lifeline so that they can too see life at another level and experience Jesus and his peace and purpose and his power. We have life. Let me give you a second one. We all have opportunity. We all have opportunity. We don't have guaranteed outcome, but we all have equal opportunity in the spiritual realm. Now, let me shake you up for a minute. There will never be equal opportunity for everyone on earth. We live in a fallen, broken world. It'll never be. But we ought to strive for it. But in the spiritual life, in the spiritual realm, 
There is equal opportunity for everybody, no matter what our economic situation, education situation, or ethnicity, nobody and nothing can stop us from pursuing the plan and purpose God has for our lives. Nobody. That's equal opportunity in the spiritual realm of life. When I learned that principle, it made all the difference in the world. It won't happen on earth, though I should strive to make it happen. But in the spiritual realm, I have equal opportunity with everybody else to pursue the plan and purpose that God has for my life, and nobody can stop me from doing that. So we have life, we have opportunity, and we have time. Time is on our side. Time. The Bible says, for many, uh, most, this is not true of all, but a general principle, mankind, womankind, lives three scores and ten. That's old English for 70 years. By reason of strength and grace, it could be 80 years or more. But what are we doing with time? You know what I have to face? Most people spend their pastime doing other things more important to them than seeking and saving those who are lost. If you're going to be your highest, holiest, and most holistic self and experience the peace and power and purpose God has for your life, I've got to spend some time with the why. And how do I seek and to save those who are lost? With time. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 90:10, Father, teach me to number my days that I might apply my heart to wisdom. I don't know about you, but I got more time behind me than I have ahead of me. And I want to be seeking and saving those who are lost. And then we have talent. Talent. God has given each of us unique abilities to do what nobody else can do quite like we can do. And he wants us to use those talents in the marketplace, in the church house, to seek and to save those who are drifting on the sea of time, being driven by the winds of life to an uncertain future. Throw them a lifeline. I've got the talent to be able to do that, to help them see life at another level. Somebody did it for me, and I ought to do it for others. And then lastly, S, some money. God has given us all some money. It's more blessed to give than receive. Don't look at me like you're on the receiving end all the time. Aren't you glad to be on the giving end? God has given us provisions. That's what he did. He gave them three months wages. The word is pragma in the Greek. He says, I want you to take these wages and be practical with it. Be pragmatic with it. Find ways to seek and to save those who are lost. That's how you use your resources. And we'll have ample opportunity to do that here in days gone, uh, days coming up and the Lord lets us live with hope through the holidays. It'll be a one way that we can help to seek and save those who are lost. So he's given us the toolbox. He's given us lots. And I'll close if you can remember that acronym. If not, I'm gonna preach 15 more minutes. He's given us equally, all of us, 
so that we can pursue the why. L, he's given us. And he's given us. And he's given us. And he's given us. And he's given us. I think y'all want to get out of here. So who do I invite to the table? You have it there in your bulletin, H-A-N-D. You know anybody who's hurting? Anybody who's hurting? Use that this week and the weeks to come. If they're hurting, invite them to a conversation, relationship. Just listen if they're hurting. You know anybody who's asking questions about life, not knowing why things are happening to them? You, you just invite them to the table. Don't have all the answers. You can't answer why for the most part. Just listen. Cultivate a relationship. Just be at a table. You know anybody who's new? New to the city? New to your job? New to your department? New to your school? New to your college? New to your neighborhood? Just new. And then lastly, you know anybody who's disconnected, discouraged? They are not a part of a Bible-believing congregation where Jesus Christ is exalted, the Word of God is explained. They don't have a community. They're just disconnected. For whatever reason, invite them to the table. It could lead to a conversation that changes them. That's what we want to be doing and thinking through these next few weeks. Oh, thank God that Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house. Other rabbis, Pharisees, they passed him by. But Jesus knew he had a spiritual need, and he met it. Let's pray together. Oh, gracious God, our Father, thank you for stopping and paying attention to those who are drifting on the sea of time, being driven by the winds of life to an uncertain future. Help us to throw out a lifeline so that they can be rescued, liberated, experience salvation, and see life at another level. As a church, help us to be Jesus-focused but unchurch-friendly and help us to do it in your name. For the sake of the kingdom and the glory of the high king, we pray, we praise. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Openheisen, musical worship director at Hope. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to hit subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship experience, visit us online at hopechurchmemphis.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Again, thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast.